This morning we are continuing our series called Love Thy Neighbor, and we're taking an opportunity to look at various people through the Old and the New Testament and, uh, and, and draw some connections between their lives and our lives and the people around us, people we work with, people we go to school with, people we live beside in our neighborhoods, people we go to church with, the people that God calls our neighbors. I'm very excited about the neighbor that I've been tasked with introducing to you today. Most of you have heard of this guy, so it's going to be no surprise uh, when you hear his name. You'll recognize it. Um, He's always been a favorite of mine. When I was growing up, I didn't have a lot of people in my life who shared my name. And so when I opened the Bible, and there he's got two books named after him, I'm like, hey, it's not such a dorky name after all. Look, right there in the Bible, two Timothys. So one of the reasons I like Timothy is that um, Timothy was a, was a young leader when uh, Paul picked him and chose him to journey with him on uh, his, his missionary, missionary journeys. And so uh, Paul's letters back and forth to Timothy and has a great impact on other leaders. So I've read his stuff uh, over and over again, the letters that were written to him. And, and what Paul told Timothy, I think, applies to a lot of us. Timothy's life, I think, applies to a lot of us. All of us are leaders to some degree in our homes, in our communities, in our church, in our workplaces, in our schools. All of us can be leaders. And so I believe Timothy and Timothy's life and the letters that Paul wrote to him have bearing on our lives today. So if you're a young leader or an old leader, a man leader or a woman leader, today's message is for you. Yes? Yes. You don't even know what I'm going to say yet and you're already agreeable. This is going to work out really well. So I thought it might be nice to put a face to this name. Um, um, so I'm going to give you a picture to, to, to work from. This is a very young Timothy. He is handsomely posed for his senior picture in that pensive sort of, uh, sort of male model pose right there. Or at least the JCPenney version of the male model pose. You know, can you just picture lines of girls just lined up waiting to date him? Yeah, it's a mystery to me, too. (laughs) But, of course, our Timothy looked a little bit different. He didn't graduate uh, in 1985. He graduated in the first century A.D., and so he probably looks a little bit... No. No, that looks like he's the sultan of Marrakesh. Uh, How how about... There it is. There it is. I can picture this guy driving a camel. So, uh, So get him off the screen. We're done with him. So who is Timothy? Well, we meet Timothy for the very first time in Acts chapter 16. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to chaps, uh, chapter 16 in Acts, uh, or you can read off the screen. That's the, the second best thing. But we meet him in Acts chapter 16. Paul is on his second missionary journey. Now, it's called Paul's second missionary journey because there was a first missionary journey. And in the first missionary journey, Paul took off through Asia Minor and everywhere he went, he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ and and, and signs and wonders, the scriptures say, followed him. And in Lystra, where we're going to focus our attention, there was a crippled man. Now everyone knew the crippled man. And when Paul gets there and begins to preach the gospel and heals the crippled man, everyone knew it. 
and many people believed and put their trust in Jesus, and the church of Lystra was formed. Now, many years have passed since then, more than we think. Many years have passed, and Paul is now making his second pass through this area. He's bringing with him news from the, from the mother church in Jerusalem that they're supposed to pass on to all the other churches. And when he gets to Lystra, he meets Timothy and his family. So let's read together in Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived. Timothy's mother was Jewish and a believer, but his father was a Greek or a Gentile. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him, spoke well of Timothy. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. The churches were strengthened in the faith and they grew daily in numbers. So this is just a, I mean, five little verses here, but we can, we can learn a lot from these five little verses. One, Timothy was blessed with a lineage of faith. Now, all of us who consider ourselves leaders, and everyone should raise their hand at this point in time, we didn't land here out of nowhere. We came from somewhere. I count as some of my spiritual mentors some great men of faith, but I tell you what, the person who first started me going to church was my mom and dad. My lineage of faith begins right there at home where they said, no, get out of bed, you're going to church. Many of us can say the same thing. It may not have been our moms and dads. It could have been our grandma, our grandpa, or an aunt, or an uncle, or a neighbor. Someone who said, I'm going to take an interest in little Joey or little Jane, and we're going to take him to church. And who knows what will happen, but we're going to, we're going to start somewhere in his spiritual journey. How many of you guys can, can remember and think of the person that sort of got you started? No big names here, I'm guaranteeing you. It wasn't D.L. Moody, it wasn't Billy Graham. It was Aunt Francie or Uncle Joe or Billy Bob from next door. Give thanks to God for those people. Uh, Timothy was blessed with the lineage of faith. It was his grandmother and his mother, the scriptures say. 2 Timothy 1.5 says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. So when you're thinking of the people who influence you spiritually, don't forget any family members, neighbors, teachers, some of the little people that no one else will know until we get to heaven. Secondly, Timothy had a good reputation among other believers in the community. What was it, I wonder, that drew their admiration? Was it his humility? Remember that uh, in the very next verse we read of his being willing to undergo circumcision so that his Greek background wouldn't be a hindrance to Jews hearing and receiving the good news of Jesus. I don't think I have to go into detail about <laughs> circumcision for you guys to understand that that's a, that's a pretty big deal. Timothy submitted to this because he wanted to be able to demonstrate and speak persuasively to people who were not like him. He wanted them to understand what sacrificial love looked like, what God's sacrificial love looked like. Now, he could have said, forget y'all. I'm free in Christ, and I'm a Greek. I'm going to grill my pork chops. I'm going to play my music real loud on the Sabbath, because I can. But he didn't. He said, no, no, no. Whatever it takes, I'm willing to do. He humbled himself. That kind of leadership 
That kind of humility in leadership is rare when you see it celebrated. Caleb Whiteman, who led worship here last week, is leading worship down at Camp Indicoso this summer uh, for their youth camps. And I was asking him about some leadership issues and what he's learning as he's going through this process. And he said, sometimes to be a good worship leader, you need to clean some toilets. I know what he means, although he literally means he's had, to be, he's had to clean toilets this summer. But all of us as leaders know that, that good leaders um, sometimes have to serve in lowly, humble, quiet, behind the scenes, behind the curtains positions. That's just what leadership, that's what leadership requires. To get a spotlight, you sometimes have to pick up a mop. So... Um, I would encourage you, when the opportunity comes to serve in forgotten, quiet, lonely, unnoticed places, that you do so willingly and cheerfully and humbly. Because who knows who is watching and seeing? And the person that's watching and not saying anything may be the very person to propel you to the next level of your own leadership. It could have been his kindness and compassion that the, that the folks at Lystra admire so much about Timothy. You know, when Paul was writing to the Philippians, he was recommending Timothy to them as, as sort of their spiritual leader. He said, now listen, I'm sending Timothy to you. He says, there is no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. Everyone talks about visionary leadership, bold and visionary leaders. That's what we need. Well, you don't have to be a, a great student of history to, to be able to look back and see that sometimes bold and visionary leaders are the, the ones most responsible for the dysfunction and the destruction in the world. I don't mind bold and visionary leaders, but I want bold and visionary leaders who are also kind and compassionate. Amen? Amen. So, if you're a leader, make sure your vision is balanced out by your kindness. Maybe it was his piety. Piety is an old-fashioned word. No one uses the word piety these days except me when I'm preaching on Timothy. But piety just means sort of the outward demonstration of your inward, your inward spiritual journey. I believe Timothy showed up for church. I believe people knew that he was a Christian. They said, yeah, he's always here. He's helping out. He contributes. He prays for people. He goes and serves. Maybe he even volunteered in Sherwood Kids. I mean... Lystra Kids Ministry. Thank you for that right there. That was sort of a devious grunt down there. But I think this is a great place to plug Sherwood Kids Ministry. In fact, uh, down in Bedford, some of you got a chance to travel down to Bedford to see what we're doing down there with Sherwood Oaks. But uh, there are some real heroes down there that I'm sure none of you have met. I want to take a moment just to introduce them to you and let you cheer them on as I cheer them on. So sit back, watch this video, and then, uh, and then we'll give them a big round of applause. I think when Sherwood Oaks Bedford just started, we wanted to be involved in, in everything because we were so pumped that it was here. So we signed up with the kids and we, we love kids anyway and it was a really great fit for us. Sometimes you have a struggle finding where you fit in the church as far as serving. For me, that places kids and youth. And so this helping with kids ministry gave me an avenue to use those gifts and talents to not just serve them and help them find joy and find Christ, but to help me find kind of my purpose also in being able to serve and fulfill that mission that Jesus gave us. It's very inspiring to see the kids grow and go every Sunday and they're learning memory verses and see how they get excited about seeing the videos and talking about 
Jesus and learning how to pray. I mean, what's not to love about teaching little people? I just love it when you can see them catch that lesson and really get it. And faith through a kid's eyes is great to see, and in that way we get to learn too. Plus, we get to dance and color and eat snacks, and sometimes we let the kids do that too. They come in timid and scared and some of them crying and not wanting to stay. And by the second or third week, they're really into it and they're friends with the other kids and they're just enjoying themselves. And it's really rewarding to see that. It's hard to not enjoy working with the kids and getting to see their faces light up when we do the activities and, and getting to hear them talk about God. The kids are so much fun and it's only for an hour, um, maybe less. And I really love to serve and watch kids and let them go home to their parents. <laughs> All the volunteers in the children's ministry, we've become our own little family, like life group. It's a great time. It's, you'll, you'll smile if you're feeling even a little bit nervous about it. By the end of it, I think you'll want to do it again. You won't believe what you get out of it, and you're giving them so much. This is their beginning of their walk with God, and you get the privilege of being there with them for that. So it's just really something I would say to anybody that's on the bubble, do it. I'm affecting now, five years from now, I'm affecting their lives, you know, after they grow up and become adults. And so the small, simple time that we as volunteers get to pray and show concern for the children, I mean, it's a lifelong effect. When you look at kids, when, look at what makes you smile. Is it when they smile and they're joyful? Is it when you see them learn, when an idea clicks in their head? Why would you not want to be an influence one of many, but an influence that helps bring that to them for Christ every week. You know, I think it's appropriate that we give thanks to God across our campuses for those who serve in our children's ministries. These guys, these guys are superheroes and they're investing in these young Timothys and they may not even know it, but uh, these, these young kids, these young little girls and little boys could become up to be who knows what in the kingdom and you get a chance to play a part in that. You know, I love what a large church can do in the community. I love the resources that are available to us as a large congregation. I love leading worship in a large congregation. But if I'm honest, I tell you, the value of a small group and the value of some of our smaller campuses is that young leaders like Timothy get to sort of be present and serve in places with high accountability and high visibility. You know, this community in Lystra knew Timothy. They knew his family. They knew his character. So when Paul sees the high regard they have for him, Paul says, this is the kind of guy that I, I want to take with me. I want to train. I want to mentor him. One of our values at Sherwood Oaks is something we've called mentoring across generations. Carrie spoke amazingly on this a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not going to go back over territory that he has plowed. But to me, this simply means that, that the church is a dynamic, living, breathing organism where God is always raising up new people, new voices to speak into the direction he's leading us. And so it's, it's incumbent upon older voices and older leaders to identify these young leaders and get them in a position where they can, they can speak and they can be trained and they can grow and they can serve the kingdom of God in amazing ways. So speaking of new leaders and fresh voices, I want to introduce you to someone 
that many of you know already. Uh, he's a guy with a heart and a passion and, and, a, and a beautiful beard, honestly, that I've admired for years. I mean, I've admired his beard for a while, but I've admired his heart and his passion for a long time. Um, I don't get a lot of time, I spend a lot of time with, uh, with him. He serves in a sort of another area of ministry, but um, he inspires me. He always has. He coaches uh, and he invests a lot of his time and energy in your kids at their weirdest and most awkward stage, which is middle school. He coaches football, I said, and he's the proud parent of two dogs. Yep. He's been on staff here at Sherwood Oaks for uh, almost 11 years. Well, since 2011. Um, and I, for one, hope he has no intention of leaving anytime soon. Would you welcome to the stage Mr. Tyler Cadwell? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, Tyler, how long have you been growing this beard? Uh, well, since I was 25, and Twi then like two years ago, I cut it off, regroup. Hmm. Yeah. It's like pruning. It yeah. comes back fuller and better than before. It's true. Do you, do you use any lotions or ointments on it? Uh, most of the time, not. But yeah, if I got any opportunities like this, you got to put some, some beard cream on it, you know? It looks good. Can you see it shining? Does it? Does it glisten Does in it the glisten? light? I don't know. I'll, <laughs> I'll find out later, I guess. So, so, um, so Tyler, yep. we've been talking about Timothy today. Mm -hmm. And is there anything from Timothy's life or the letters that Paul wrote to Timothy that, that inspires you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we got the opportunity to talk about this uh, on our trip to Wonder Valley. That's right. That was cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in in First Timothy four twelve, you know, it talks about set the standard or set the example, and and you know, list a bunch of areas of faith, love, purity, all these areas, and. Uh, Man, that's, that's, to me, that's such an encouragement of to control what you can control and focus on what you can control. And those are the things that, you know, Paul is saying, Timothy, mm -hmm. control these things and you can do good things if you just let that be your focus. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Now, you're teaching middle schoolers. Mm -hmm. You're learning a lot. Yes. You're teaching them, but they're teaching you as well. And God's teaching you. What are some of the things that God's teaching you through this process? Oh, yeah. Uh, so I've been listening to a lot of books. Uh, I don't, I mean, I like reading, but I don't. Can have, you read? I can read. You are literate. I am literate. Okay. Yes. <laughs> but I've been listening to a lot of books, you know, just like while I work out and stuff. And the, the one that I've listened to recently is called The Emotionally Healthy Leader. Um, and it talks about this really difficult passage in scripture where uh, Jesus says, I never knew you. And they're like, Jesus, we cast out demons in your name. What are you talking mm -hmm. about? He's like, yeah, but I never knew you. And the author kind of talks about how, what that means of like, you know, of course he knows you. He, he created you. But we have to allow him to get into that intimate space and, and you know, know us. And so the language that I've kind of put behind that is, you know, imagining every aspect of our life as a closed fist. And, you know, when we are trusting God with something, we, we let him have that and lay that at his feet every single time. And just letting him be a part of that intimate space is a big deal. That's good. Yeah. That's real good. I like that. Thank you. Now, as a young leader, we have lots of them in this room, and yeah. some of them either at at, in their workplace or in other areas they serve here at the church, maybe even, are hankering for a place at the table, a mm -hmm. voice in the room that they're just not getting yet. What advice would you give to them? Uh, two things. I'd say, one, you're not alone because, uh, you know, you can feel lonely. And two, I would say take control of your thought life. Um, 
the things that pop in your mind that can be negative, you know, take those captive, like it says in Corinthians, and, um, and, and just really give those to God and, and direct your thoughts in a positive way. And, the, you know, the Philippians passage, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is good, think about such things. And those are the things that really I try to uh, just direct my thought life when I have negative thoughts. You, you must be doing an amazing job with our middle schoolers. Well, I try. Everyone, Tyler Cadwell. Say <laughs> I want to pray for Tyler and for all those who work alongside of you in middle school ministry. Lord, I thank you for guys like him that are investing in, in our youth, uh, our students, our kids, uh, as they're going through phases where they're just trying to figure out who they are and who you are. I appreciate men and women who um, are solid and can point them in the right direction. Bless, bless Tyler and his ministry uh, with middle schoolers and his leadership here at Sherwood Oaks. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you. So when Paul identifies Timothy as a potential traveling companion, he's doing more than just asking him to help with the luggage. He's calling Timothy to leave everything he's ever known, his mother, his grandmother, his dad, his community, people he went to school with, people he's worked beside, and pick up ties and start traveling with Paul to join Paul in a work that God has called Paul to. That's a big ask. Did Timothy feel particularly called to it himself? I think he did because he said, yes, I'll do that. Now, the, the great scope of Timothy's life we have no record of. But if you look through the scriptures, you will see evidence that Timothy was a valuable member of Paul's team. So valuable, in fact, that Paul gives him co-authorship credit on several books of the Bible. How many of you guys knew that? Hmm. Timothy is the co-author of 2 Corinthians, Philippians, that Tyler just mentioned, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and Philemon. Now you're like, I think you're written. Uh, read it. Check those out this afternoon. Check out how Paul gives credit to Timothy for co-authoring these books. Timothy's life is an amazing example of faithfulness. At the end of Paul's life, he knows his season is ending. He knows that the time of his death is near. He writes these words to Timothy, who is now the lead pastor at the church in Ephesus, which is a pretty big deal. 2 Timothy 4.1 says this. He writes this to Timothy. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Preach the word. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. 
Not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And he says these words, and remember these. He says this, do your best to come to me quickly. Now, he's writing these words to an old Timothy. To a Timothy who has seen it and done it. He's got the t-shirt. But he still says this. And I think these words, no matter where we are in our level of leadership, these words still ring true. He says, preach the word. Now, maybe preaching the word is not what God's called you to do. But what he has called you to do, Paul says, is stay committed to what God has called you to. Don't give up. Be ready in season and out. Don't get sloppy with what God's called you to do. Stay on top of your game. Keep your head in all situations. Man, this is a hard one. Every time you open up Facebook, there's another drama someone wants you to get involved in. Every time you turn on the TV, there's another drama someone wants you to get involved in. Paul says this, don't get distracted. Keep your head in all situations. Stay grounded, stay focused, stay alert. Endure hardship. I know this is a shock to you all, but life is hard. And the things that God will call you to are not easy. If it was easy, anyone would do it. But God called you to do it. And it's going to get hard. But rather than give up, pack up your toys and go home, you dig in. You work at it. Don't be deterred by difficulty. But grow through it. And he says this, discharge all the duties of your ministry. This sounds simple enough, but what it means is this, do the job that's right in front of you. Tyler mentioned this, he says, you know, keep your head where it needs to be. Think good thoughts, stay focused on what God's called you to do. One person told me this one time, he says, stay in your own lane. Don't try to be someone else. Don't worry about what other people are doing. You discharge the duties of your ministry. I find Paul's last words to Timothy to be incredibly poignant. We talked about him just a little bit ago. Come as quickly as you can. Later he says, please try to get here before winter. Can you picture Timothy at Paul at the end of his life, the last season of his life, and he knows that, that the season is coming, winter is coming. It's going to get cold and bitter. And he wants people around him that he trusts. At the, at the time of your death, who do you want with you? Well, you want the people who have stood with you throughout your life. The people who have been loyal and faithful. This is Timothy to Paul. Now, as a side note, this is the only thing I find fascinating about Timothy, and I think it should be an encouragement to us here. In the church, we have a tendency to idealize or even idolize the nuclear family. Father, mother, sister, brother. This right here. By the way, this is a picture because there's no photograph that exists that is like a legitimate family like this. <laughs> Even as a kid, I remember seeing this in the little Sunday school papers going, Mama, why doesn't our family look like this? <laughs> because you keep looking up during the prayer. That's why, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> and if I wasn't, Trisha was. So, um, this is a beautiful picture, but it is not a picture of reality for most of us. In our church, we have single moms and single dads who are doing their best to raise their children up in the faith. We have grandparents who are parenting their grandchildren because their own children 
do not have the ability to do so right now. So these Loises and Eunices who are doing the hard work of raising these young Timothys, and some of these Timothys can be handfuls. They're doing a good work. And if that's, what, if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you. Keep up the good work. Andy Stanley is quoted as saying, the, the contribution, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of heaven may not be what you do. It may be who you raise. Now, for every parent in the room, I think that's a good thing to remember. Eunice and Lois have an eternal impact on the church of Christ because of the spiritual influence they invested in young Timothy. And young Timothy invested into Paul. You know, some would say the church is in a mess. It's a hot mess, someone said, and I agree. It is a hot, big, beautiful mess of people. Young, old, rich, poor. And the scriptures remind us again and again that we all need each other. The old need the young and the young need the old. Timothy needed Paul and Paul needed Timothy. You guys familiar with uh, a story from the Old Testament? Moses and Joshua. Moses was an old man and God called him to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt to the promised land. And Moses found a young protege named Joshua. And Joshua was tasked with the responsibility of overseeing the armies and to fight the battles that were going to be, have to be fought before they reached the place where God ultimately wanted them to be. One of these battles takes place in a valley. And it is not looking good for the Israelites, God's people, and the enemies of God. In fact, the tide is definitely on the side of the enemy. And Moses goes to the top of the mountain and he raises his arms and he begins to pray. And as he prays, the tide turns. And all of a sudden, the armies of God begin to, begin to take the field. Moses prays and prays and prays. And then eventually, he's an old man. He gets tired. And you know how it is. Your arms start to droop a little bit. And as his arms begin to droop, man, the enemy began to advance against the Israelites and, and strengthen the number. So, so seeing this and seeing how this was going back and forth, two men, Aaron, Moses' brother, who's about his same age, and, and her, which many scholars believe was Moses' nephew, rush up the mountain and they grab Moses' right and left arm and they lift him up. And Moses is praying there on top of the mountain with his arms raised up. And, and the tide of the battle turns again. And the Israelites are victorious. But, but I love that picture. Joshua fighting down in the battle. Young Joshua. And he's a hero down there. He is doing what needs to be done on the field of battle. In the thick of it. The sweat and the blood. And Moses, who's been in the sweat and the blood is up on the mountain, and he's praying for young Joshua. But Moses isn't the only one. Aaron and Hur come alongside Moses, and they begin to pray and invest in young Joshua down there. At the end of the day, it took all of them to win that battle. I look around this room, and I see some Joshuas. I see some Aarons. I see some Hurs. I see some Peters. I see some Pauls. I see some Timothys. I see some Eunices. I see some Loises. And I think this is how the kingdom is going to advance when all of us work together. Amen? Amen? If you're old and you complain about the young people, remember, they complain about you too. <laughs> so let's all just work together, can we? If, in fact, let's do this. If you see someone around you that's younger, turn to them and say, man, we really need you. Go ahead, do it right now.
Now, now if you see someone who's older than you, turn to them and say, you look really good. <laughs> hey, we're going to pray. I'm going to send you out with, with one minute to spare. Don't tell Tom that I didn't take all of my time. But uh, I want to thank you guys for the way that you build the kingdom here at Sherwood Oaks. Um, we love all of you, and we need all of you. So I don't care how old you are. Stay in the game. Stay focused. Don't give up. Don't retire. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.